So good morning to Rivers Church. Pastor John here. I'm so thankful that you're all joining us from Binghamton. Can we hear it here for Binghamton and Corning and Cortland and our online campuses? Wherever you're joining us from, we're so thankful that you're with us. Uh, we love you. We've been praying for you, and we're glad you're here. Uh, you notice we look a little different today. Uh, you don't see me standing here. We're actually sitting because uh, we're going to do uh, something a little different today. Uh, we're going to talk about what it looks like uh, to be an entrepreneur today. Uh, I know so many of you, deep inside of your heart, have a drive and a desire, and you believe that God's got something planned for you, and you just sometimes don't know how to get from A to, to B. And you're, you're wanting to maybe go into something. You're wanting to take a risk. You're wanting to leverage your life to become an entrepreneur. And so tonight, today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to, to be an entrepreneur. And I believe there's actually a tangible difference between what just an entrepreneur would be and a kingdom entrepreneur. So, so today, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time talking about those differences, the difference between an entrepreneur and a kingdom-driven entrepreneur. I believe at the heart of being a kingdom-driven entrepreneur is this verse right here. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, it says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I think at the heart of what it looks like to be a kingdom entrepreneur is this idea that there's more than life than gaining all this material wealth. Like there's a real tangible difference between just entrepreneurship and kingdom entrepreneurship. Uh, it's a really a, a heart condition. It's a, it's a place that we put our heart. It's, it's approaching a thing not like, hey, God, this is what I'm doing, bless it. But, hey, God, what do you have planned for me? What's the plans you have for my life? What's the direction you'd have me go? And then I want to follow that direction because if you're leading me in that direction, if I'm approaching you and following your direction, then I already know that your blessing is upon that thing, that I don't have to worry that you're going to bless the, the thing that you sent me to do. You, you've sent me to do it. So whether I make it or uh, there's another result, I'm going to learn something in it that there's a purpose and a plan that you have for me through that thing. I also believe that kingdom entrepreneurship is not just business as usual. It's not this idea of a businessman and businesswoman uh, just running the whole show. It's a, it's a life that's yielded to, to God, that God is the CEO, that the Holy Spirit is the kind of the chief operations officer. And, and, then, and then guess what? And then our, our life... And our journey is yielded to Christ, that we live a Christ-centered existence, a, a Christ-centered business. So today, we have an amazing opportunity. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be a kingdom entrepreneur. And as I thought about um, this message and thought about what we were doing today, um, Pastor Will had tasked me with this, and I said, you know, who are some real kingdom entrepreneurs? Who people in my life that I know are kingdom entrepreneurs that through the fruits of their life, through my interactions with them, if I was to like 
put faces in the dictionary. Uh, two of the faces that you're going to meet tonight, two of the men you're going to meet tonight, are the faces that I would put there. These are men that have sown into my life. Uh, they've sown into the ministry here at Two Rivers Church in my ministry. Um, I've just watched them walk out uh, a real faith, and, and they're really what I would describe as kingdom entrepreneurs. So I'm going to ask you right now, each and every one of you, to get your notes out, get your welcome packets out, uh, and turn them over right now. There's a note section because you're not going to want to miss what you're going to get tonight. So I'm going to introduce to you two men, Mike Gantz and Todd Mansfield. And but yeah, Give it up for him. Yeah. And how we're going to open today is we're going to have we're going to have Mike share his testimony. He's going to share about ten minutes of of you know where God's brought him from to where he is, uh, what his thoughts are around what it is to be a kingdom entrepreneur. Then we're going to ask Todd to do the same thing, and then after that we're going to spend some time asking some questions. And these aren't like all pre-organized questions. Like it's not like we're interviewing a president and he only gets the questions he wants to hear. It, it's actually like real questions that I want to ask um, that are not easy questions, but they're, they're, they're questions that I think that if we could have those questions answered, it would help those of us who have a real desire uh, to be a kingdom entrepreneur to really say, you know what, those are things that I need to consider. Uh, these are action steps that I need to take. So I'm going to let you start, Mike, uh, share your story with us. Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks for asking me to do this. It's, uh, it's a pleasure, and uh, it's, it's really good to share about God's done in our life and how he's made a difference. And um, Todd and I have similar, similar backgrounds as far as our business. We started through adversities, different kinds of adversities, but sometimes the best things come out of adversities. And um, so being a kingdom entrepreneur, it's really the backstory is, is how I see it. Yeah, you know, a kingdom entrepreneur is somebody who obviously has dedicated their life to the Lord and they work and in their work that flows through their work. Their the way they operate, the way they talk to people, the way they run their money, the way they run their business, um, their services that they give, they're kingdom minded and those things all add up to that. That's their philosophy. So when they serve people, they're serving people with biblical principles. But it's the backstory of what makes you a kingdom entrepreneur. And when we use the word entrepreneur tour, too, I think sometimes it isn't just being an entrepreneur, it's your vocation, your job, whatever it is. So my story starts out, um, obviously, with some adversity. My, uh, my parents, uh, growing up, I don't remember my parents ever really getting along. Um, when I was three or four, I can remember my mom and dad going on a vacation and we were coming home and in the car uh, in the driveway and they started arguing and my mom put the hose on my dad and he was all dressed up and you know like as a kid you see stuff like this and it, it makes an impression right and life was like that for a few years and then by the time I was 10 they were divorced and actually it was a little earlier than that they were divorced and by the time I was 10, I went to go live with my dad. And when I went to go live with my dad, I never really saw my mom again until I was like in my 20s. But when I went to live with my dad, the first thing he did was he put me to work in the restaurant. And in the restaurant, uh, you know, there was washing dishes, there was bussing tables. He put me right to work. 
and I learned early on that that was where my value was. And those things make impressions in your, in your heart and in your mind. You know, so that's where my self-worth was in my work. So I worked and I went to school and I grew up and, um, you know, I was going to be a restaurateur. That was for sure. That was what I was going to do. Um, I, by the time I was 18, I just, you know, I was running things. I was the manager. I was doing all kinds of uh, work in the restaurant and I loved it. And then, um, you know, being a young guy, you're, you're going out and you're working all day and going out and before you know it, when I'm in my 20s, I'm now a cocaine addict. I'm addicted to cocaine and, you know, my life consists of working, going out, doing cocaine, going out, working, doing cocaine. That was my whole life. So it went like that for a few years and then I met my wife, Sue. Um, and we were, I think I was 22 or 23 when we met fell in love um, right away. Um, she wasn't a person that used alcohol or drugs, really. So I had to hide it from her that I was a drug addict. So from our first date on, she never really knew I used drugs because I hid it from her very well. So we get married. Um, and then about six months into our marriage, I am now obviously a partner with my dad. And we own an apartment house. And about six months into our marriage, I, the finances all blow up and I lose the apartment house and also lose the partnership uh, with my dad in the restaurant because of cocaine. So I'm 23, 24 at this time, 20, 24. You know, we have a son. I'm a drug addict. Uh, everybody finds out about it. Everybody knows about it. So I'm a gifted guy, but I'm a drug addict. So um, I go to, go to rehabs, go to NA, go to AA. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to stop using. I can't stop using. Um, I'm working all along. I'm in this time frame. I'm starting businesses, uh, trying to cover my tracks. I had a food company at one time where we processed chicken products. Um, Sold them all over, all the food companies. Lost that. Then by the time I was 24, I think uh, this is when, um, when it was, it was 24. It was 1985. We ended up in Binghamton at M.A. Gantz's on Front Street. Um, I, somehow I got the money to be able to open it up. Uh, we were in bankruptcy, but I got the money to open it up. I opened up the restaurant. And at that time, when I opened up the restaurant, we were um, hiring people, and my wife, this girl came in for a job interview, and um, she brought on her application, Pastor Piedmont First Assembly. And my wife looked at this, and she knew, she, she heard that if you want to know something about the Lord or about God, that First Assembly Church, they preached about the gospel. So she said, we're going to hire this girl. And I go, like, what do you mean? We've already hired everybody. And she goes, no, we're going to hire this person. I go, okay, well, she and we hired her. She knew right away that our life was a mess. She invited my church, my wife to church. Then I went to church. I got saved. And then all of a sudden, now I'm kind of like, I'm on the fence. So I go to church. I get saved. I know God is real. I know there's something different. But, you know, it's a struggle. 
So for about four years, I'm singing in the choir and I'm, you know, going on golf trips with the pastors and all along I'm still using drugs and the restaurant in the meantime is going down the tubes, um, you know, it's just can't pay the bills, can't pay the payroll taxes. Well, it comes to like 1989, Nicky Cruz comes into our restaurant, he was at the church. And he came into a restaurant for lunch after the service, and he looks uh, as he walks in, he sees our bar, and he, sa he looks at me and he says, hey, he says, uh, you're a Christian, right? And I go, yeah. He says, well, what are you doing serving alcohol? Well, my wife heard that, and she goes, that's the reason why we have a problem. That's the problem. So now we own an Italian gourmet restaurant, and now we're going to take the liquor license out. Now, in the meantime, I had been praying for God to change me. So when she said, that's, that's the problem, that's what we have to do, I'm like, all right, well, you're 100%, and I'm a phony Christian, so I'm going to go with you. So we take the liquor license out, and within about two or three months, we ended up closing. And when we ended up closing at that time, my wife got a registered mail uh, from an insurance company that said that I tested positive for cocaine. And at that time, she thought I wasn't using anymore. So life blew up. I went to go see Pastor Piedmont. She took me to see him, and he said, I said, you know, Pastor, I said, he's talking to me. He says, you know, Mike, we'll send you a team challenge. We'll pay for your mortgage. We'll help you through your life. We'll help you get back on your feet. I said, no, Pastor, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray, and my life's going to change. He goes, well, if you believe that, it will. If you're just lying like all the other times, you're just fooling yourself. Well, I went home, I started reading the Bible. I was really serious, and God delivered me from drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So then what to do? So now, you know, um, Two or three weeks go by, I'm not even thinking about drugs anymore. Now there's a two-year process of what am I going to do? I'm doing odd jobs, I'm selling food, I'm doing, you know, whatever I can do to make money. My wife gets a job. Um, so then one day, about two years into this, I get an idea. I said, I want to go back in the, I'm going to go back in the business. I'm going to go in the food business. I said, Sue, I'm going to start, you know, lunch delivery business. And she goes, no, you, you really, you, you got to stay out of business. You, you just, you've done too much. You just got to stop. You need to get a job. I go, well, I, this is what I'm going to do. So I started selling sandwiches uh, from our house up and down the Vestal Parkway. And that's how Gantz's Catering started, with less than $300. Yeah. And it's been 30 years, and, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, various businesses, and um, it's been great. But that's when the fun began. And, you know, you, my main thing is, and, and Andrew said it so well, is gifts and abilities, right? So God has gifted everyone with gifts and abilities, and believing that is the first thing. So when it comes to adversities, you might come from so much background of adversity and problems and failures, but these are not failures. These are ways that God uses in your life to train you and teach you and use those gifts and abilities that he's given you to bless yourself, bless the kingdom, and go forward in life. So 
that's my main thing, is that everybody has gifts and abilities, and everybody has a talent they can use, and any talent, I mean, Amazon started selling books on the internet, right? Now Amazon, Jeff Bezos is the world's richest man. You know, Kentucky Fried Chicken started with selling spices and giving cookers to restaurants to use his stuff. And then Kentucky Fried Chicken has 10,000 restaurants. So gifts and abilities are big, and um, that's what I think a kingdom entrepreneur, that's what makes the difference is how you work for God. So I, I think I went through Let's my give it up for Mike. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. I love that story. Uh, I, the transformation that God has done in your life, I, I just love that because I, I, uh, I, I just love what I see happening in the Hope Foundation and our Hope Homes uh, with men and women and, and then coming through addiction and, and knowing that, guess what, you're never past the reach of God. You're never past his hand. And God can do amazing things in every life. So, Todd, tell us. Okay, thank you uh, for having me. And uh, I think I want to start by saying, uh, my wife Christy is here. We appreciate you guys having us. And first thing that comes to my mind is when you tell your story is that without great women, you know that the rest of this stuff doesn't make any difference, and you have no cho no chance. So Christy and Sue, just want to kind of a shout out to you. Um, yeah, and, and Mike and I really don't know each other. I've heard about him for years, and we got to meet a couple days ago, and we were talking about, like, what, what do we think is important in the world of entrepreneurship, and we kind of immediately said the same word, and then you just recognized uh, Pastor Andrew, and when, he, when you said uh, you're designed for this, like, I'm, you're, you're, you have these gifts and abilities, and you're kind of just designed for it, like, immediately, that was like, that just speaks to my like how I think about people that sort of do a little bit of what we do and a lot of what you guys do is you feel like you're just, we're kind of supposed to do what you're doing. And so I wanted to start in Africa when we travel and you're a guest somewhere. The tradition in Africa is people get up and say, my name is Todd Mansfield and I'm a follower of Jesus. And so I want to just say, I'm a follower of Jesus uh, and it's a privilege to be here. So with that, I have, I, I really have the opposite story from Mike. I don't know that I've really ever heard my parents, my parents are still alive, I don't know that I've really ever heard them fight. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, you know, kind of, my, my dad was an IBMer and my mom was a teacher um, and we had a, they were both very safe. My dad grew up uh, with a, with a father who was self-employed uh, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s where the depression was happening and he was very successful. He lost all his money. He was very successful. He went bankrupt again and he died very successful. And my dad said, I, I don't want that. I can't take the emotional roller coaster. So he got a really nice job at IBM. And that's what I was used to. But what I would say is that as I, I grew up, I had many friends' fathers that were on their own business. And I remember at a really young age being very intrigued with, like, what did they do? My dad would go into a building and he never talked about it. I never had any idea what he did. But he was busy doing it a lot. And my friends' dads were doing stuff that I could kind of see what they were doing. And so I found that intriguing. 
And so when I was 16 years old, I was, very, I was an athletic, hyperactive kid, and I broke my leg in a sled riding accident, and it, I spent three months in the hospital. Uh, I had a couple years of physical therapy. I missed a lot of school, and my, really, my life changed. And when you're 15 years old and you spend three months in the hospital, you get to spend a lot of time with yourself because visiting, visiting hours are till 8 or 8.30, but 8.30, when everybody gets kicked out, you know, I wasn't going to bed at 8.30, so I had from 8.30 till the next morning kind of in my head in like this quiet time, which was very unusual for me. And that was when God began to sort of stir in me like, okay, now, what's, now what do I do? I mean, what do you, you know, you're not a super deep person at 15, you know, but I started to be thinking deeper things. Anyway, go back to school at Vestal. Uh, I, uh, we had 680 kids in our graduating class. I was like in the 600s. I had a 66 average or something out of high school. I was a terrible student. Uh, and I got a job working at Harris Food Lines uh, stocking sh shelves. And I had somebody, it was the first job I ever had, and I had, you know, my manager was bossing me around the whole summer. And I remember, literally, I remember waking up and thinking, I can't do this. Like, this cannot be my life. I cannot stand it. And so I could get into Broome. I went to Broome and started to study. I started to go to class and did really well the first semester, which was the first time I'd ever got an A in my life in any school sport, or school activity, school sport. Isn't that funny? Um, and because I had been exposed to physical therapy, I started thinking, well, heck, I could do physical therapy. And what my mom said is, you realize how hard it is to get into physical therapy? Like, it's next to impossible. So anyway, as God would have it, I got better and better and better in school and had more and more success. And I got into PT school. And so my, my injury that really changed the course of my, my life put me into an uh, occupation where I was, I was good at it because it really fed uh, fit my skill set. Like, I really believe that I was designed to be a physical therapist. Like, I like being in people's space. I like talking. I like to ask questions. I don't mind touching. Like, there's that whole part of physical therapy is, like, really, really kind of in my sweet spot. And what you can do in physical therapy is you can be your own boss. And so, as God would have it, I went to, got a job in New York City. Uh, you know, this is like the, I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but there was a job that ended up in the MBA, like um, eight, nine, eight or nine months out of uh, school. I'm working in New York City, and a patient I'm treating says, hey, there's a job at the MBA, and I think you'd be great. And I'm 25 years old. I barely know anything about what I'm doing. Uh, and I said, yeah, I'd be interested. So I'm like starting to read. I start to read these articles, and I get a phone call. Hey, so-and-so says that we should interview. I go into New York. I have an interview with this woman, and she asks me all these questions. I'm completely, I'm completely unqualified, beside having a degree. And she said, I just have one more question. And she asked me the most complicated question about an a very crazy ankle injury. And I, I had read an article the night before on exactly what she asked me. And I am telling you, it was like I regurgitated this entire article. I had this poor lady, she's like, oh my lord, what are you doing? She said, 
I can't believe you know that. I'm like, I can't either. So the next day, the next day, I get a call that, you know, being offered a job in the MBA. And so I took that job, met, my, met Christy, as God would have it, uh, and she lived in New Jersey. And so we spent a year there and uh, moved back here. And I want to tell you the rest of all the, all the doors that God opened to validate that I was doing what I was supposed to do. And what I would just say is that if my desire was to be the best physical therapist, physical therapist I could be, and that every person that came into my practice, I wanted to give them the best care I could. And what ended up happening is people like Dr. Gartman, it used to be, when I met him, and I don't have time to tell you the story, but he was my, John really took my practice that was a fairly successful practice, and he was probably the busiest neurosurgeon in, in Broome County and the most feared neurosurgeon in Broome County because when he would send you a patient, he knew your name, the patient's name, and he knew who was seeing the patient, and he knew what was wrong with the patient, and the patient didn't get better. Not his nurse was calling you. He was calling you. And so I'd get the pitch. Todd, Dr. Gartman is on the phone, and I'd be like, oh my goodness, what does this guy want? Like, he was crazy. Uh, and that was the beginning of, I didn't know him, didn't know him at all, and I get the thing, uh, Gartman wants me, Gartman wants me, and his, as God's grace, patients were getting better, and he was sending me more and more and more work. And one day, I know this has nothing to do with entrepreneurship, but he, one day he calls me and he says, hey, what are you doing tonight? I said, I don't know. He said, I want to play golf with you. And I'm not kidding. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I'm, now I'm stuck playing. So anyway, I go to this golf course. I have no idea what he looks like. I walk up and I, go, I, walk up and I said, are you Dr. Gartman? He said, yeah, I am. And the, the good part of the story is we had a really fun time. He had a terrible time, but I had a fun time. And the next time I, the next time I played golf with him, he told me a story. And he said, what do you think about that? And I said, phew. That's way bigger than anything I could handle. What, what I do with those things is I pray about them, and I go to God, and I say, God, uh, open, my, open my eyes and my heart to what I should do. And that was the beginning of Garmin and I being best friends for 20 years. And so when I think about kingdom building, what I think about is, like, I, it's, it's if Jesus is the center, money can't be. If Jesus is the center, your name on the top of something can't be. So, so, so to me, we did Bible studies and truth projects and went at men's retreats where I heard John talking to someone coming in. Hey, you going to the men's retreat? Listen, 20 years ago, I brought Gartman to that men's retreat. He, asked, he lasted one day, literally one day. He gets me after the first night at the men's retreat and he says, hey, listen, I got to talk to you. Listen, I really appreciate you asking me, but this is creepy, man. Guys, guys talking about their lives and singing and holding hands. This is creepy. And he says, I'm going home. And literally, the first, the first men's retreat he went to, he got in his little sports car, and all I saw was his headlights flying out. I'm like, I'm like oh, this was, a, this was a bad play. But because Jesus was important to me, it was just a natural thing. So anyway, and, and God has blessed me and Christy uh, for 30-some years in various forms of business, some that have made money and some that have not made money, but I think I believe all of them that have had an impact on the people we've worked with. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for them.
So now we get to, to ask you guys some questions. And as you guys spoke, I uh, jotted down some questions that um, just came to mind. And I want you both to answer um, in your own way. How do you decide to either walk through an open door or, or not take advantage? Because oftentimes, I know in my life, there's more opportunity there's a lot of opportunity and, and that, 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 that necessary need to have the discernment which doors to, to walk through. Yeah, in your, in, your, in your opportunities like hey, opportunities to start a new business, opportunities, because opportunities got to come your way. And you're like, well, and, and someone who is in business oftentimes can see opportunities. But so how do you distinguish, hey, that is an opportunity for me, and I know there's an open door there. Or there's an open door there, but, you know, that's, that's not. And how, how do you? Okay, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, I wish I could tell you I pray more about it. Like, I wish I could say that's my first inclination. It really isn't my first inclination. Like, I'm, I'm immediately processing, okay, so is it in my skill set? Is it in my interest area? Is, you know, like, I kind of go through those things. And I can tell, I would tell you today that, like, I'm living in a place where I'm, I opened up a bunch of restaurants. I have no business being in the restaurant space, but we have, like, oh, and I really believe that God had put me in a place where this was what I was supposed to do. It was what I was studying. It was what I was interested in. But when I look back the partners that I have in there, like it's not really consistent with scripture when it comes to being of like mind. Like, it, I mean, scripture's fairly clear in the way I read it, that you're supposed to partner with believers. Like I'm, I was supposed, I believe I was supposed to marry a, a believer. I married a believer and it's been amazing. I've had, John and I have been partners in many different things. And some of them have been very successful and some of them have been colossal. We've lost every penny. Actually, we probably have more losses when we, in numbers of things we've done together. But because we went into it with like mind, that we knew, we knew what the motive was, it, has, it ended with us losing some money but helping people, losing money but never losing a friendship. Uh, so I would say that you make sure that there's nothing inconsistent with what's written in Scripture and what you think God is calling you to do. That would be my counsel. That's great. That's great. Mike, could you speak to the importance of a mentorship in your own life, having a mentor, being mentored? Um, yeah, I think you, you have to have someone that you can talk to and you can share things with that you can't share with other people. And when you have a mentor, um, someone that maybe um, is a friend or a Christian or a relative that has expertise, especially in certain areas in life, you know, that you haven't been through, that having someone you can talk to and just get wisdom from is really important. Um, so I think it's, it's really important. Yeah. So I know I've started a couple things in my life and... and Oftentimes when I go into those, uh, especially new things, um, there can be, I mean, this amazing amount of doubt, an amazing amount of doubt sometimes. And when you're facing that, 
and you're taking advantage of a new opportunity. You said, you know what, Todd, you said, you know what, I think this, this lines up with my design. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through this door. I'm going to start, but mm, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you push through? That's, I know that's not a good one for me because I don't, I, I haven't had that. No, I just haven't. Like I'm, the stuff I've said yes to, I've been fairly confident that, yeah, I can do this. This is, this is sort of in my sweet spot. I, I made my, a note that said, when I think about you guys thinking about, is this the right thing? I said, like the three things that come to mind, is it my skill set? Like, do I have a skill that makes me qualified? George, you're in the, the, you're in the uh, paving and asphalt. Like, you have a skill there. You know that world. I don't know anything about it, so that wouldn't be for me. Do you have a passion for it? Like, when you wake up, are you thinking about, man, I, know, I think I could do that better. Like, a, a passion and desire. So you got to have a skill set. You have to, if you don't have a skill set, don't do it. If you have a skill set but you're not passionate and have desire, don't do it. And if you have skill set and you're passionate and desire, then I would tell you, you're waiting for opportunity. And opportunity sometimes is money. Sometimes opportunity is the right, God is opening doors so that you say, this, I, I'm not anxious about it because it's in my sweet spot. I think about it all the time. I know I can do it. And God just opened that door for me to walk through. That... Yeah, Mike. I, I, I would agree. The other thing I would add is this, is like I started a business out of a necessity. So I don't know how many people here tonight, you know, are in that zone, right, where you, you need to start a business or you need to get a job, right? I think most small businesses have five people, employees or less. So usually, like, like Todd said, what's your skill set? What are you passionate about? Or what do people, if you don't know where you lie in that, what do people say about you? Like when you go over somebody's house and you always clean up, they say, oh, you know, you're always trying to serve. You know, or, what are you interested in? Like, like for example, John obviously is a, was a neurosurgeon. If I was thinking about something, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I, I like, he's a neurosurgeon. I wonder, I wonder what that's like. I'm interested in it. So what are other people doing that you might be interested in? There's a lot of ways, but doubt, I, I, I'm with Todd. I, I never really had any doubt either. It, you know, it was necessity and then it was fun, you know. Business is fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It is. I agree. No, it is. So this uh, final question, because you can look out there and we can point to a lot of people who are, by the world's standards, are successful. So does Jesus really need to be the center? What's your answer to that? Does Jesus really need to be the center? You can take it, Mike. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I would, this is what I'd say, that God has blessed Christy and I with three kids, a wonderful marriage, a great business, really wonderful parents, grandchildren, and I would tell you that all of it, without Jesus, all of it is, is there, there's something missing. 
Like, I just think that when, when you look into someone's life and you say, oh, they really got it together. Someone was telling me this. Oh, you, how did it, how did it all happen? I'm like, let's take back this curtain. Are you kidding? We're, we're, we're just like you. Come on. You know, I have a newer car, so what? It's still annoying. Like, I mean, without Jesus, nothing makes sense to me. With Jesus, with Jesus, everything you can navigate and get, get through. Yeah, yeah, it's the single most important decision you'll ever make in your life. More important than your wife, more important than your job, more important than your church, most important thing you'll ever, most important decision you'll ever make in your life. For me, it was, it was Jesus, yeah. Can you make it without Jesus? Yeah, you can make it without Jesus. But when I got delivered from drugs, here's the difference. You can go into a program and you can get yourself clean and you can do all, go through all the motions. But when you're delivered, when, it's, when you're set free, when you're set free, there's a difference. Well, the same thing with your work. When Jesus is the head of your work and he's the, you know, he, he, you're going on God's principles, it's just a whole lot easier because you get away from all the pitfalls and, and the things that you get stuck in in the world and, you know, that your eyes can fall to and that, you know, like, do you work under the table or not? Do you claim all your sales or not? These are traps that the enemy sets for us in the world and under the Christian principles, when God is your manager, those things like fall away from you. And so you become more successful, more peaceful, and you have a blessed life. So Jesus is definitely makes a difference. Amen. Amen. I want to thank these two so much. Thank you guys so much for spending time with us today. And if you're interested in what it looks like to, to be a kingdom entrepreneur, if you're like inside of your heart, you're saying, you know what? I want to know what the next steps are for me. I want to encourage you right now at all of our locations. You can get out your respond card right now, right on there. You know what? Kingdom Entrepreneur, make sure your name's on there. I want to plug you in this fall to a small group. We're going to actually explore what it looks like. And we want to help people actually walk into becoming entrepreneurs. We want to help people take the next steps. And we have some ideas around that that we want to explore together this fall. So I want to encourage you right now that if you're, if you're thinking about it, you're like, you know what? I, I, I know that God's designed me for this thing. I know God's got a, a design for me, and he's designed me, but I just don't know what the next step looks like. I don't, I don't know how to write a business plan. I don't, I don't know how to find capital. I don't know how to do any of these things uh, to start a business. Then, then I'll encourage you, just write on there, you know what? Uh, I want to become a kingdom entrepreneur and put that on your respond card. And, and this fall, I promise you, we're going to plug you into some opportunities to help you take your, your next step. And so right now, we're going to pray together and, and close out uh, the service today. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful. Um, I'm thankful for the network of, of people that you've uh, brought to, to Two Rivers Church. Um, when I think about all the people that are a part of this ministry, some that like uh, Mike and Todd, that they they might not just normally attend, but they're they're a part of us. Uh, they they've served us and they serve us and uh, and they pour into us, and we're just so thankful 
for, for men like them. We're so thankful for all of the kingdom entrepreneurs that you've brought into this church and, and the people that have a desire, a real desire to, to walk into their design. So, Father, I would ask that you just do a work in each of our hearts today through this message. Let us explore uh, the recesses of our heart. Do you, have a, do you have a plan that we can walk into? Do you have a design for us, Father? You, and then if we don't know that, that we would push in, that we would that we'd go the next steps, that we'd get in a small group, that we'd get on a team, that we'd get plugged into that design that you have for us. So, Father, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.